Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I'm going to talk about gladiator children. What is a gladiator child? Um, and I realize I, I referenced that a lot in some of my podcasts, and I haven't actually done a podcast on, on what a gladiator child is like and who they are and their incredible qualities. And it's, I mean this, the, the, the title gladiator child in a, in a fun sort of cheeky way. And I like the, the idea that it's not a negative label. So today we're going to explore what it means to have a gladiator child. Hi everyone. I'm Jennifer Clary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting weekly podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime, to sibling issues, to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So here's my understanding and description of a gladiator child. I feel like they are incredibly strong, powerful children with a strong counterwill, a strong sense of who they are, a strong sense of right and wrong, um, I think for a lot of gladiator kids, it's almost like humili humiliating for them to be kids because they feel so powerful and they feel like they know the answers to things. Um, I really truly believe that these are the children that one day are going to save us all, literally. Like they think outside the box. They are not afraid to be who they are. They're not afraid to challenge. Um, and I think we're going to need human beings like that who can really you know, challenge paradigms and Never mind, like think outside the box, like what box? Um, and they're going to help us, I think, in the future, get out of a lot of problems. But at the same time, I think it's a big responsibility to raise a child like this. You want to keep that spirit. You want to keep what's amazing about them. You want to value that independence and that strong sense of, of knowing themselves. Um, but at the same time, you want them, and you don't want to crush that, but at the same time, you want them to be able to fit and move through the world and work in groups and, and lead and be, and be heard without being so on the periphery that nobody listens to them because they're so busy upsetting and offending everyone. So it's, I think, the big responsibility to raise a child like this. I also think it's exhausting and really hard to raise a child like this. They are relentless sometimes, and they can be very, very difficult with this incredibly powerful counter will, which you actually see built into their bodies. They, they push against things, they squeeze things, they hug you too hard. Um, and my, my daughter, Olivia, certainly or was a gladiator child. She's since grown up to be, you know, very relaxed, calm, amazing, a 19 year old, which happens to most gladiator kids, actually, the harder they are when they're little, uh, the more incredible they often are as, as older teens and adults, um, which I think is a very important thing for parents of gladiator kids to know. But I used to joke that, you know, I needed to wear a helmet around Olivia, not because she was particularly aggressive. It's just, she did everything like full on. Like if you're wrestling, you're going to get, you know, her head's going to clunk you in the chin. And so there's, there's this intensity to these children and it makes parenting very difficult. Um, it's also why I think connected parenting is so specifically wonderful for children like this. Cause I would argue that it's probably one of the parenting methods um, that works the best with kids like this because they really are interesting. So I have a little checklist. I want you to kind of think about this. Um, 
So here's the checklist. Does your child argue and negotiate relentlessly like it's a sport? And that's a feature of gladiator kids. They love to push back. They love to argue. It For them, it's not so upsetting and distressing. It's actually um, enjoyable at times, or at least it starts out that way. And then when people around them start to get offended or start to get really reactive, then they get very triggered and it can be really difficult. But they love a good argument. They really do. They enjoy it. Um, are they terrible sleepers who either have trouble falling asleep or wake up frequently in the night? So what I see with a lot of gladiator kids is they have trouble falling asleep. They don't like falling asleep. They don't like missing anything. Um, they tend to worry a lot at night. That's when, you know, the things that they kind of think about all day long or worried about their behavior or, you know, that they've um, acted up in the day. It's at night that they start feeling like, uh-oh, I can't believe I did that. Am I still lovable? Um, and that's a big thing for gladiators. I, many of them, if not all of them, certainly feel loved, but they don't always feel lovable. And they will act during the day like they don't care and it doesn't matter. It's at night where you'll see them becoming just a little more anxious, a little more clingy. They'll have a hard time with letting you go. You'll fall asleep beside them and you'll think, okay, they're asleep. They're asleep. Okay, good. They're breathing. They're asleep and you just move like a hair and they grab your arm out of a deep sleep. So there's this kind of anxious period that goes on at night. They also wake up during the night quite often and they often wake up in a very agitated state. So they're in, you know, they've just had a nightmare or a night terror or they're yelling. They, they kind of wake up angry in the middle of the night and you'll see that. Uh, and that can be kind of distressing they also tend to kick off their blankets. They run hot. So they're just always, you know, there's no blankets. They don't like sleeping with pajamas. They like to have bare feet all the time. They like their feet to feel the ground. They tear off their shoes and their boots and their socks. Um, that tends to be a, a feature as well. Um, the next question, are they really nasty to their siblings um, if they feel they've been wronged? often responding with disproportionate anger that feels to them perfectly justified. So you'll see, I call them finishers. So a sibling will say something and do something that bothers them and they will just clap back with such a disproportionate response and feel completely justified to the point where as a parent, you're thinking, what is wrong with my child? Like, how do they think that's okay? But they have this very raw, very tender sense of, um, vulnerability and, and being hurt. And they will have what I call this flash response. And they'll be really quite terrible after. Uh, sometimes much later, they can look at their behavior and think, oh, that was maybe a bit much, but they, they it's, that's a very difficult thing. Um, and that disproportionate response is something you'll see quite often. Do they fixate on things that they want and relentlessly beg and badger uh, for them with endless conviction. So these kids, they're like energizer bunnies. They will not let go. I swear in the middle, they forget what they're even asking about it. it. It becomes this obsession that they just have to make you say yes. And we'll talk about how to address each of these points uh, emotionally and behaviorally. And I'll, I'll, I'll sort of give you some ideas to support you as you go through this as well. We'll just get through the checklist first. Um, do they often act as if they're the boss and telling you what to do? That's my chair. We're going to do it this way. You're going to sit here. That's, those aren't the rules. 
uh, they tend to be very um, bossy. And often that's anxiety. Often gladiator kids feel very uncertain, a little bit anxious. And we typically tend to think of anxiety as, you know, kids clinging to their parents and worrying and stressing and I don't want to go and I'm scared and gladiators can do that too sometimes. But often anxiety will present in children as very bossy, um, rigid, prickly kind of behavior. So when you have kids that are really prickly, you know, they, they just sort of get easily irritated. That's mine. Don't know. Uh, you, you'll see that a lot. And that's, um, that's a state that they're often in that's often related to anxiety. Um, do they have a very difficult time sharing? So a lot of these kids have a really hard time sharing their toys, um, sharing their food. You go to take a bite of something and they're immediately like covering their food and getting upset. They have no problem grabbing stuff off your plate or your their sibling's plate, but they have a really, really tough time uh, sharing. Do they tease and bother their siblings relentlessly and seem to thrive on it at times? So this is also a feature of gladiator kids. It's like they're trying to kick up the system in their brain. They're looking for that adrenaline. They're looking for that reaction from, I mean, all kids do this too, but you'll see with the gladiator child, it just seems to be more intense. Um, and they're really, what they're doing in those moments is they're medicating themselves on adrenaline. They're, they're waiting until you snap or their siblings snap to actually get that hit of adrenaline. It's one of the ways that they regulate. Do they repeatedly need correction for the same behaviors over and over again without uh, learning from these consequences? So one of the things you'll see with gladiators is that setting limits and being consistent and being neutral and, and, and providing natural consequences will work, but it literally takes 50 times longer <laughs> with gladiator kids. So with a child with a very different temperament, it, it'll work fairly quickly with one, within one or two times of just guiding them and showing them where the boundaries are. And with gladiators, it just takes a much longer time, which is really exhausting. And what ends up happening sometimes with a child like this is they end up training you. You're just too tired to follow through. So you just do it, or it's just too hard to ask them. So you do it yourself. And then that ends up being kind of this feedback loop that creates more um, negative behavior. Do they often act like they're the boss and often tell you what to do. So that's back to that kind of rigid, you know, prickly behavior. Um, gladiator kids like to know what's going on. And if they're setting the rules, then they, there's less wondering about what's happening next, which is why they tend to be so bossy and so rigid sometimes. Um, are they exquisitely sensitive and easily offended by the tone of voice or facial expressions of others? So this is, you'll often see this, you'll have a look on your face and they'll say, why are you mad? Or you'll say something that you think is very kind of neutral and they'll say, why are you yelling? Like they'll have this big, big reaction to your reactions. They're, they're what are called very tonal, um, which means they're quite sensitive and usually pretty accurately uh, capable of reading people and reading facial expressions when they're not upset. When they're agitated, they're in fight or flight, they're limbically charged, then their, their system is going to go right out of whack. And they're, they know they're pretty good at it most of the time. So they're going to have a very difficult time believing that you didn't yet just yell when you did. Like for all the world, they're going to believe that you um, yelled when you didn't. And that can get really confusing. Um, do they have low frustration tolerance? So gladiator kids will um, 
sometimes they'll have grit and really stick with things for a long time. Like, and you'll literally have to pull them away from something because they just want to get it right. Um, but they will also, if they can't get something right, right away, when they've thought they, they should be able to do it, um, they'll, they can get really, really angry and games get thrown and things get flipped and it can be really quite an issue sometimes. And they also get very upset if other people aren't, uh, following the rules because it's ruining their game. Um, so that can be an issue. And then do, does your child, um, have a difficult time with transitions? So getting out the door, getting into the bath, getting out of the bath, they usually get stuck um, and are fairly um, rigid around switching activities and you know moving out the door. You, even when there are places that they want to go, they can still be really sticky and have a difficult time. So there are many reasons why children can be what I call a gladiator child. And it can be, you know, they may have ADHD, they might be gifted, they may be on the spectrum. Um, there, there may be, it might be struggling with uh, learning issues. That's why they're super frustrated. But the truth is it's mostly a temperament thing that they're just sort of born with this powerful, powerful counter will. And for a parent of a child like this, it becomes a real challenge because no matter how empathic and kind and understanding you can be with them, they just keep coming at you and you get sort of parental numbness and parental fatigue that you just get so exhausted trying to manage this child. And you're just on edge because they're going to ruin things and they're going to you know, have a fit in the middle of the grocery store, or ruin the birthday party that you planned. Um, so you're in a state of anxiety um, with a child like this. And then what ends up happening is that sort of a feedback loop. So we're sort of on edge they look at us to gauge how we're feeling. They sense the tension in our face and then they start acting up because that's how they see themselves, right? So it becomes this really difficult thing. Um, gladiator kids are often exquisitely sensitive. You would not think so, but they are usually incredibly sensitive. And a lot of these behaviors are to protect themselves from being hurt or embarrassed or mortified. They're so easily embarrassed, these kids, and they will flash back with a really intense um, reaction in, as a way to sort of protect themselves. So we're sort of swinging as parents between seeing that vulnerability and worrying that the rest of the world isn't going to see that child inside who often is very caring about animals and their grandparents and you know, things that are going on in the world, but they just get in their own way all the time. And it has such um, disproportionate reactions to things that you just, your heart breaks and you think, how is anyone going to love them? How are they going to have friends? How are people going to actually understand the little person that's in there? Um, and that can be really painful. And then you swing to like, oh my God, this kid is a nightmare. Like, I'm so angry. I'm so mad at them. I just, and you tense up when they walk in the room and it's like, hey, how are you? And you're trying to be neutral and you're trying to be calm, but you're bracing yourself for whatever this child is going to do. Um, and I know because I work with these kids one-on-one, -on -one, they'll often talk about being really afraid of their behavior and really scared that they're going to blow it. You know, afraid that they're going to ruin that party. And sometimes they just blow it because they can't stand the worry of knowing they're going to blow it. So they just blow it. So they don't have to deal with the anxiety of when that's going to happen. So they do a lot of self-sabotaging. So these children require um, a few things and really the connected parenting program. So if you're not familiar with kind of the basics of it, 
really go back to the first three episodes um, or, or take the um, the parenting online masterclass because I think it's it's really, I mean, it works for all kids. It really does, but it's quite spectacular with these children because a lot of parenting models that are either too focused on containment and things like timeouts and stuff like that will just backfire spectacularly with these kids. Um, and then if you're too, um, you know, if you negotiate too much with them and you're too, uh, I don't know, if you're, if you're too, if the limits are kind of movable with these kids and there's too many choices, then they can't handle that either. And so this model really, I think, is very integrated and very balanced. So it brings in containment and neutrality and consistency um, with tremendous compassion and understanding, which is really, really important. So these kids, more than anything, need, you really need to connect before you correct. If you tell a gladiator child, oh my gosh, why would you leave your backpack in the middle of the hall? Please hang it up. You know, a regular kid will be like, okay, fine, whatever. A gladiator kid will freak out. You're mean. Why are you yelling at me? It's not my fault. Like they'll actually be quite deeply injured by that. So you have to connect first. So you use the calm technique, go back to the earlier episodes and you say, oh, you know what? I get it. You're in a hurry. You're so happy to be home. And it's just easy to throw that back on the floor. But would you mind doing me a favor and hanging it up? And you will see a very different, and they may still stomp and they may still not have the best reaction, but they'll, the, it'll be a much better reaction. So connecting before correcting is critical. Conversational and chit-chat mirroring, making sure that during the day when your child isn't acting up, that you're deeply connecting, you're helping them feel really understood. Um, there's other episodes where I've talked about how important play is. Adrenaline play is essential for gladiator kids. You need to be chasing them and you know playing freeze tag and um, you know hide and seek uh, when they get home from school after a snack, of course. Um, so that they get that adrenaline hit without having to go after their siblings or you know, getting you know, incredibly defiant with you in order to get that hit of adrenaline. That's really important. The three bite rule, essential for gladiator kids. Every couple of hours, they need a snack that has a protein. You pick them up from school, here's your protein snack. They can have another snack when you get home. Um, on the weekends, making sure that every couple of hours they're, they're having that protein snack, it makes a huge difference. Sleep, go back and listen to the sleep podcast for gladiator kids. Sleep is essential for these children. They get very aggressive and very nasty and quite behavioral when they don't get enough sleep. You will also notice that gladiator kids are horrible, literally awful. Anytime they're in pain or a couple of days before they get sick. They're a nightmare. Like you'll, I used to know with Olivia that she would get sick within 24 to 48 hours because her behavior would be um, quite extreme. And then when they're sick, they're lovely. They're delightful. They're so sweet. And then when they're recovering, again, for another couple of days, you're going to see really, really yucky behavior. All right. So the other thing that is absolutely essential with gladiator children is limbic bonding or baby play. And I have a whole uh, podcast on that as well. And that's where as much as they have driven you crazy and you're angry with them, you've got to have these moments where you're just putting your hands on their cheeks and looking deeply in their eyes and letting them know that you love them and you see them. And there's so much more than that difficult behavior that is really just a symptom of them trying to figure out how to organize and regulate all these big behaviors that they have 
in their little bodies. Uh, they need to feel loved and deeply seen and cared about, or you're going to have an escalation in behavior. So I would say for a gladiator child, probably 10 to 15 minutes every day of just rubbing noses and just kind of tickling them and showing them baby pictures. And if they don't want to see baby pictures, then you can tell them stories about when they're babies. They really deeply, deeply crave that oxytocin and those, those reward chemicals that come from that. It's also very, very good for you and for your brain. And please remember with these children, um, you know, the, the child that you least feel like doing this with is the child that needs this the most. So if your first instinct is, oh, I'm so mad at them. They've made them into my so difficult. They're so hard. Why would I want to do this? Isn't that just showing them that everything they're doing is okay? Um, if you have that feeling, and that's totally normal as a parent of a child like this, um, that's your body telling you how important it is, how desperately they need that connection from you. Some gladiator kids will sabotage this. They're, you're playing, you're tickling, and they'll, they'll literally uh, subconsciously feel like, you know what, I don't deserve this. I'm not lovable enough for this. I'm, I'm, I'm not a very nice person. I'm not like my siblings. And they'll squeeze you or pinch you, or they'll do something that just ruins the whole thing. And the best way to handle that is to go, oh, you know what, that did hurt, but I love you more then that hurts. So I'm just going to kind of ignore that and let's keep tickling and, and see if that does it. Often that will do it. Sometimes they will just keep going because they can't tolerate um, that the intensity of that. And that's when you just say, okay, I love you, but I don't love that behavior. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull away now because uh, that hurt. And I'm going to come back and we're going to do that again in a few minutes. And let's see if that can go better. And you just really try um, not to give them that behavior that they're looking for, which is get off me and stop it. And why can't you ever just be good? And like, they're, they're looking for that craving. There's this crazy cycle that children like this go through where they feel unlovable and they're scared that they're not lovable enough. And they're scared. You don't really love them. So they're going to act up so they, they can actually have control over that. Well, if mommy's not going to love me, if daddy's not going to love me, at least I'm going to know why I'm going to know it's because I did that. And you have to love them through that and you have to love them more than that. And what I can tell you from working with probably thousands of, of kids at this point over more than 30 years is that this is the method. This is the model that works with all kids, but it really does seem to be the magic formula with a gladiator child. So uh, go back and listen to other episodes too. Please know that we have the masterclass. We have two versions. We've got the, just the video version. And then we have another version where I interact with everyone through monthly coaching calls and answering questions in the uh, private Facebook group. So that's another option. Um, we've got our village, which is a fantastic place for parents to gather, support each other. We've got connected parenting staff in there that help answer questions and support you as you kind of work on the calm technique and, and learn all of the different um, methods and ways that you can set uh, natural consequences for these kids. So they settle and they get calmer. Um, got my books that are out there that are really helpful. I'll continue to um, create podcasts that I think are helpful for parents along this incredible journey of being a parent. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.